knowing you're not alone, that there's someone there, someone to hear you, to listen to you, to see you, to sit with you. We live in a crowd, but it's so easy to feel alone. A moment though, a shared moment, can make that crowd feel awfully small. A good story, a meal with friends, a long drive. It's simple, really. An open seat and an invitation. So come, sit with me. Good morning. Welcome to Keystone. I'm so glad you guys are with us this morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Good? Feeling good? Well, I'm glad you're with us in person. I'm glad you're online. And honestly, I was a little bit worried about the like in-person thing. Because if you tuned to the like New York City New Year's Eve thing, I thought we we're going to have to fill the room with people like this. Right? And that they're just going to be like floating around here. If you would like watch the thing, they filled the streets with these like balloon dudes that they put outside of like car parking lots. Like, and I was like, I'm going to be so alone. So I need some friends. So, um, but luckily you're here today and I'm glad that you guys are also online with us. If you don't know who I am, my name is Ryan King. If you know who I am, you know we're enough, we're in for a roller coaster ride because this is one of my favorite messages to give all year round. I love kicking off the year together. I love like this opportunity for us to like reflect on the past and to move into like move into a better future together. And I'm really, really excited about this year. I'm really, really excited about 2021. And maybe you are as well. And I know we're already a few days in, but like, I'm just like, I'm just so stoked about it. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get this kicked off with a question because when I approach this new year's message, when I think about it, I'm always trying to think about like, what do I need this time of year? What do I need? What does the church need? What do my friends need for this next year? Like, what is your biggest hope for 2021 or what do you need in 2021? And luckily I decided to put this question out there for some friends on social media. I just asked the questions. What are you hoping for or what do you need in 2021? And I think what you're going to find is the answers a lot of my friends sent in are both poignant and also like really relatable. And I want to share some of them with you and I've distilled them down a bit, um, but they, they go like this. So the first one is strength to love those I feel no love for. Strength to love those I feel no love for. If we were to look back on 2020, there's a lot of things that came up that made us realize a lot of the differences we have with people. And some of those differences were so stark, it led to hurts and pain. And some of our relationships were disrupted. And we're asking strength to love those I feel no love for. Right, And I love how brutally honest this person was in admitting that, hey, there's people I don't have love for, but I want to. I love that one. The next one, it goes like this. Open doors and emotional stability. So they're not just looking for more people like open the door for them out of kindness. They're looking for more opportunities in 2021. And they're hoping for the like right stability, the right mindset, the right disposition to be able to approach those in a healthy way. The next one, it goes like this. Real connection and friendships. A lot of us 
have lost a lot of friendships this last year, or have just, they realized that the friendships they had weren't that important, and they're, they're, they're craving and looking for more. And again, I love the honesty in that, that, that I want something that's real. I want people that are real. I want a community that is real. Or the, the next one, just more listening. Maybe they have children at home and just need more listening there, or just more listening from everybody. Or how about self-worth, or even purpose, or hope, or joy. And if we were to look at this list that real people, like people gave me these things, I think we could look at the list and I look at it in all of its totality and I say, yes. Like I want all of these things for 2021. I want more of this. I want to be able to, to, to leap and move into this. And I think we'd all be raw and honest to say, yeah, we all want something that looks like this, because this last year was indeed a trial. I think it was a trial for, for our like personal, like our, ourselves. I think a lot of us were stuck with ourselves at home and we had to deal with ourselves at home. I think it was a trial for our relationships. I think for a lot of us, there was stress and strain in friendships and fam- family relationships. And I think it was also a trial for our faith. Because I think this year revealed a lot of the things of what do we believe or actually what do I have a lack of belief in, right? This year was a trial and and as this calendar year flips over, right? That's all really this is. It's going from one number to the next. We change it on checks and tests and things like that. But as the calendar year flips over, I think there's a lot of weight like in it. There's a lot of weight for us that we carry into it, hoping that there's going to be something better, hoping that we can take the lessons we've learned and move them into this next year and we can progress in a better way. And if I, was, if I was to share with you one of the lessons that I learned this last year, it's actually a lesson that I feel like I'm continuously being taught. It's the, lessons of, it's the lesson of presence, of presence. And I wrote it big because it's important, like presence, right? Like presence was so important to me this year. And I feel like it was so reinforced in my life. And I think it's and, and this is what I mean by presence. Presence is that like incredible ability you have to be here and now. Presence is the ability to be right in the moment where you are and to drink in everything and to drink in this gift and to be in this gift together. Because I think the, the important part of presence is also being present with other people, recognizing the importance of other people and how important their presence is in our lives. See, I have, I have a friend and he, which is surprising for a lot of people, but I have a friend and he, thank you. And he was telling me, he, he was sharing a story and he's being very real with me because his grandpa passed away um, this last month. And he was sharing the story about how we went down into his grandpa's wood, like woodworking, like studio shop. And there was tools left out and there's these like little inventions and things that his grandpa was tinkering around with. And what was so incredible was it was all so ordinary. And it was like his grandpa could walk in the door again and pick up those tools and put them away and interact with them. But that loss, that loss of his grandpa and being in that place where he spent his day to day was so poignant for him. And, and, and he realized that the, the beauty, the beauty of being with somebody is really fragile. Because I think loss, loss is a crash course in recognizing the beauty of life. Right, and this year we've, we've lost a lot. 
I think we, th- there's been the loss of like the lives of people we love. There's been the loss of freedoms that we used to have. There's been a loss of relationships, a loss of jobs. There's been a loss in a lot of different ways and we've all had to adapt and change. But I think that loss is actually, actually a wake up call into something more. And I think those losses woke us up to the important things in our lives and, and woke us up into the important things that make up the fabric of our lives because we started to recognize that presence, that being just here and now is a gift in and of itself. So as we look forward to this year, I think it's important that we don't stop to think about this moment as well. And I'm so glad that you guys are here with us. I'm so glad you're tuned in online because I think God has something really, really cool he wants to share with us this morning. I'm really excited about it. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by C.S. Lewis, who's a famous Christian author. He's a brilliant thinker, brought up a lot in churches because of the wisdom he has. He wrote Chronicles of Narnia. And my favorite quote, something I shared before, I've probably shared it on the big stage, is from a little book called The Four Loves. And he's, he's talking about nature. And he's talking about being out in nature and how incredible it is and how nature is like so just stunning and beautiful. And this quote goes like this. The only imperative that nature utters is this, look, listen, and attend. It's almost like nature has this oppressive ability to make us look, listen, and attend, to really see with our eyes, to really see the things around us, to really not only see physically, but see what's going on in our hearts, and to start to listen you know, and, that, and that's not just listening to birds and, and the rustling of wind, but to listen to our hearts and to attend and to be there. Nature starts to teach us how to do that with people. And I think that's what's so incredible about it. And this quote itself has become a mantra throughout my life to look, listen, and attend. Because I think we're, we're always in constant relationship with the world around us, a world that's shaping and growing and moving and changing. And if we're not willing to look, listen, and attend, we're just going to ride the wave without seeing how beautiful it is. Because I think in this present moment, God is here. God is here in this moment and he wants to teach us things. He wants to be with us. He wants to make his presence known to us. He wants to give us the ability to respond to him. Because because what's incredible about God is he gives us, he gives us the gift of being able to respond to him where we get to actually interact with him. Like if you've taken that step where you're like, God, I, I wanna follow you in my life. Like I feel like this is like a positive thing. I feel like you're able to change my life. I feel like I, like, I just wanna follow you. That's a response, right? God's always challenging us to respond to him. And this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna reframe a common practice I, I want to reframe like this concept that might be a little bit dusty for us and hopefully that we can see it with new intention, new joy and a fresh outtake. And this practice is drum roll, prayer. That was a horrible drum roll. Like prayer though. I wanted to be prayer. I want to talk about prayer this morning because if we viewed prayer as a response, if we viewed prayer as a response, I think it could dramatically change the way we see the world and the way we see Christ. 
And I know when the conversation shifted over to prayer, probably a million different flavors of feelings came up within you. And I know there's a little one because this always happens to me. There's this little one in almost everybody that's like this like little like nugget of like guilt and shame or like, right? Because as Christians, if you follow like Jesus, we know we should be praying more. We know like prayer is important. We would be willing to admit that. And if I was to be honest with you, prayer is probably the, like the hardest spiritual discipline for me in my entire life. Like when I started really digging into this faith thing, I got reading the Bible and there's like wisdom and beauty and incredible stuff in there. Like I got that. I really like understood like, like serving other people. I understood worship. I could feel and interact with that. But prayer itself always has confused me. And I think for me, to be raw and honest with you guys, when God reveals a weakness to me, I really feel like that's the thing I need to press into. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, because I'm in this journey with you guys. And I think we can experience something really incredible. So if you have a Bible or a phone and you want to read along, because I think tactile experience helps you learn, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. To give you some background, Matthew, most scholars believe, was an original follower of Jesus. He penned this book for for the reason reasons of expressing that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior. And where we're jumping in, in Matthew 6, is in the center of one of the coolest parts of the whole Bible. It's Jesus's core teaching, famously known as Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. And chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, Jesus is kind of just rolling out. He's like just rolling out the stuff that's like so exciting and challenging and revealing. And this is like his core teaching, and we are right in the middle of it. So I know it's the winter, but you're going to need to don your spiritual swimsuit because we're diving into this thing, right? We're in Matthew 6, 5, and this is what's called the Lord's Prayer. And it starts like this. And when you pray, which might be something that we can easily roll past, but when Jesus says, and when you pray, he's speaking to a very specific audience. And again, it's always important to remember that context is king. The context of of what the Bible is speaking to and in is going to inform us today, 2,000 years later, what he's saying. So Jesus is saying, when you pray... And his audience would have been like, yes, like when you pray, we know this. Because they had, they had a sunrise prayer. They had a mid-afternoon prayer around 3 p.m. And they had a prayer at nightfall. This was a ritual in the Jewish culture. They, They just did it. They did it every single day. They did it rhythmically, routinely. They had prayers they would do. So when Jesus says, and when you pray, they're going, yeah, I'm going to be doing that in like two hours, right? When you pray, and he's going to continue this on. But what's cool is when Jesus says, when you pray, Jesus is an incredible example of this. And you're like, duh, of course he's Jesus. But Jesus prayed those ritual prayers and he connected with God when he needed to in the most critical and soft and peaceful moments of his life. He was intimately connected to God. And I think that that Jesus is speaking to his culture then, but he's speaking to us today. Because if we were honest, and this is my honesty, we consider prayer as a really good suggestion, right? Kind of like eating salad. Like it's a really good suggestion, but nobody wants to do it because that's what goats do. They don't pray, but they eat salad, right? We don't want to pray because it's kind of this, this suggestion, And I think a lot of us kind of deconstructed maybe some of our childhood, like you have to pray at every like dinner and you have to do it this way and you have to like, and we're just like, I don't want any of that. Like that wasn't working for me and that's good. But we've got to return to this statement because Jesus really does expect us to pray. 
And he doesn't do that because it's a rule. He doesn't do that because you'll feel good for following the rules. He does it because he realized that, that to pray was to be intricately connected to God. And that was always his goal. But let's continue on. Let's continue on. What does Jesus have to say? And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites. So he's about to throw down some beef. It's going to be good stuff. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. So there's this practice during the time. And and this is, I love Jesus because he always calls out the religious people because they would have been listening to him. And like, they would have been like, Dave, this sounds like you, right? Because there were people, when these prayers were called through their their culture, they would stand in the corners and they would orate and they would say all these eloquent things and it looks so good and they'd be so great. And Jesus is saying, awesome, you can do that. But since you're performing for people, your reward will come from people. But when you're actually authentically going to pray to God, then something's going to be a little bit different. He just wants to check those people at the door and be like, hey, you got to stop this. And I know, I know that sounds weird because we're like, no, nobody really does that. Nobody's really like praying on the street corner. And if they are, they're probably a little bit crazy, maybe spirit guided, but a little bit crazy if we're all honest. But I think we need to check ourselves too. If you can like, we need to check our intention, whether we're posting on social media or in like a prayer group or things like that. Are we trying to look good for people or are we trying to actually be connected to God? Now, now Jesus goes on to contrast these like kind of theatrical clowns with what should be done. And he says this next in verse six. But when you pray, again, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And and I love this so much because Jesus is keenly aware that the things we do in private showcase who we really are. When no one is around, when the doors are closed, when it's just us by ourselves, the things we do in private really speak to who we are. And if you want, if you want a good thermometer on if your faith is authentic or not, when there's no social gain, that's when your, your faith is going to come alive. When there's no social gain and you choose to pray in private, that's really showcasing that you believe there's something happening there. And Jesus, it's important for us to not misconstrue this will reward you part. Because I think for some reason in the culture along the way, we believe if we get the equation all right, we get all the things and the hands and the whatnot, it will like equal the reward. It will equal the thing we want. But the reward, the reward is actually way better than just getting the thing we want. We're going to come back to this later. Now let's see what Jesus continues on to say. And when you pray, again, when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. And a quick like note on pagans. In our like culture, this is kind of a derogatory term. Like you're like, Peggy, you pagan, right? I get, that'd be a cool like rap name. But, but like pagan was just non-Jews. He was just saying, and for the non-Jews, the Greeks and the Romans, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. If you've ever read um, like the home, like classics of Homer, the Iliad or the Odyssey, there's pages upon pages of prayer, right? And the Greeks and the Romans, they 
had this belief that like their gods that existed out there, the pantheon of gods, right? They, they just kind of did what they want. They were cruel one day and kind the other. They blessed you and they cursed you. It was just kind of what it was. And they had this belief, if I, if I can get their attention and if I can just, if I can say all of the things and I can do it really well and I can make myself feel really bad, maybe then they'll like, they'll listen to me and they'll hear me and they'll be here for me. But what was intriguing about this, Jesus points it out, they think they're going to be heard, but honestly, their prayers are just boring and ineffective. Now, Jesus does his last compare and contrast, telling them something that's really fascinating. So if I've lost you, bring it in, because this is where we're really dialing in. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And that's where we do a full stop. Because we're like, wait, hold up a minute. And if you're familiar with the Bible and you're reading these things through, you're waiting to get to the poem or the prayer that Jesus teaches us, the rhythmic thing. You're waiting to get to the juicy stuff. But this preface, like this preface is, is stunning. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. What does it mean? Let's be honest. What does it mean for the Lord of all creation, for the God, like for the God to know what I need before I ask him. Why does, why does Jesus preface his structured prayer poem with this? Like, it's like saying like, your mom already knows you're hungry, but you should go ask her for dinner. Like, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. She already knows, God already knows. And if I can be real with you, this was always so confusing to me because then I'm like, all right, why is Jesus teaching me this prayer if God always knows? Why am I even doing this? And, and I think, and this is, this is what I think, I think so many of us, myself included, just like the pagans he just talked about, use prayer as a way of getting known versus already being known. This is so key. Can you throw that up for me? Prayer as a way of getting known. If we say all the right things, do all the right things, God will pay attention to us versus having this true fact, having this like knowledge that we're already known by God. Jesus tells us God already knows us because this is how I treated prayer for so long. I kind of thought of it like I was sending it somewhere, right? I would write my, I would like think about my prayer, like write it down. I'd say amen, like a stamp, throw it in there. The USPS, those angels would deliver it to God. And then God would maybe give me an answer and I'd sit there waiting for him and I'd be like, I'm waiting for this moment. I'm waiting for this moment for God to convince me that he's real, to convince me that I am heard. I'm waiting for him to show up. But the incredible thing is he's already here. God is already present with us. Because as we just said, God is present in all things. Paul writes in Romans, he says that, that God's attributes, God's power, God's majesty is known in the created world. We can see him in the world around us if we look, listen, and attend. His relationship is made known to us in flowers, in bees, the electricity of singing together. It's made known in like the kind cashier at Meyer that says like, hey, like have a great day. And you're like, oh, that was so nice. That was so beautiful, right? So how does God, how does God then know what we need? Because he's present with us. God knows because he's present with us. And when we need it most, God is already here with us. 
God is already here with us. And I know, I know this throws up so many red flags for you because it throws up so many red flags for you because you're like, hold up, wait a minute. You're telling me God knows what I need. You're telling me God is present with me. Well, what happened when my friend died? Where was God then? Where is God right now as I'm worried about my job, as I'm worried about 2021? Where is God when I'm worried about my kids and I can't seem to get them on the right track and they can't seem to be on the right track? Where is God there? Where is God in my life? I'm trying to call out to him and you're telling me he's here with me? There's no way, right? I feel that a lot of the times when I'm in my worst, deepest moments in the past, in the present, and in the future, which I know those moments are gonna come and I'm going, God, where are you? So when Jesus tells me God already knows what like, I need before I ask him, I'm going, no, you don't because you're not here right now. You're not here with me. Are you kidding me, God? Are you kidding me, Jesus? I'm going to say your little prayer because I want God to know me. But I need to let that truth, that truth of already being known to sink in to who I am. One of my favorite songs of all time is a song called A Prayer, appropriately for this teaching, by King's Kaleidoscope. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs of all time. I listen to it when I'm in my darkest moments because this song, like the singer in this song, the words he used, the choices that the, the singer chooses in this song is meant to, to like exemplify the deepest, darkest, darkest place you can be in. He's trying to use all the words and vocabulary he can to express the despair he feels, the darkness he feels, like just the, the, the depression, the anxiety he feels. It, he's at a breaking point. And 2020 might have had you at your breaking point. And you might have said, I'm doing good to people. You might have said, I'm doing fine. I'm surviving. But deep down, you knew you needed something more. You wanted something more. You're called to something more. And in this song, that's what the author, that's what the singer is trying to get to, is, is, to, point, is to point us towards Jesus. Because the words are so beautiful. The verses, like the verses, they, they just go like this. They go, Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? He's asking about that presence. Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? And he repeats this over and over and over and the like, music slowly fades out and then there's just silence. Jesus, where are you? Am I still beside you? And there's like silence. And doesn't that feel like our life because some of us, like we've, we've treated prayers, like we're trying to get Jesus, like we've tried to tag him in to enter into our life. We've tried to get him to be here, but all it feels like is silence that we're waiting for something. We're waiting for him to show up. And the response that comes in the song is the response that happens in our lives as well because the strings and the music starts to swell and we hear a response from Jesus in the song. And it goes like this, it goes, I'm right beside you. These are Jesus' words. I'm right beside you. I feel what you feel. And I'm here to hold you when death is too real. You know I died too. I was terrified. I gave myself for you and I was crucified because I love you. I love you, child. I love you. And I'll listen to that part on, on rerun because I need that. I need that reminder that Jesus experienced worse than what I am experiencing, that he lived this life. He was tempted. He saw what people were going through. He was brokenhearted and he was broken upon a cross. 
And I need to remind myself of that. When I'm feeling broken in this world, I need to know that my God who is present with me did experience a life of hurt and pain and agony. We have a God who's with us. That's like, that. I want you guys to take that home with you. We have a God who's with us and it's challenging and it's hard and it's abstract. But if we can live into that, I think we're gonna experience a level of peace that, that we haven't ever before. Those questions from the very beginning of the teaching, God knows. God knows. He knows your goals. He knows what you want. He knows what's gonna happen in 2021. Because when Jesus speaks of a reward, Right, in, in both of those passages, that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, right? What, what does Jesus mean? I think what Jesus is saying is your reward in praying, and your reward in praying is having a connection, an intimate, personal connection to the God of this cosmic universe who has overcome pain and despair and hurt and will show us a way. As small as that glimmer of light will be, there will be a way through it. And we get to be grafted into that story. We have a God who knows us, who knows where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. He knows what 2021 looks like right? He knows and he, he, he's with us in that. And I think it's important for all of us as we sit here this morning, as we're in this moment this morning, to re-reflect on being in a moment, to being present, to being present with people. Because if God is present with us, he's trying to show us how to be present with others so that we might shine a level of light in their lives that will change it. Presence, presence that will help the world, presence that will help myself, and presence that will ultimately continue to connect me to God. If we can be here and now for just a little bit, because out of presence flows peace. When we can trust God, there will be a level of peace for us. And what I want to do is I want to finish with the words that Jesus teaches us to pray. And I know it's kind of weird we're talking about this prayer thing and we, we're not really talking about the Lord's prayer because I think that preface, that preface that Jesus gives us is almost more important of knowing that we have a God that is with us and cares about us and knows what we need. And my hope in doing like reading the Lord's prayer with you guys this morning, this is a rhythm that Jesus wanted to teach his people. And there's a lot of really cool things, which all things I wanted to talk about for hours on end, because I think it's fascinating that's in this prayer, about how it's structured, how the prayer is a, a public communal prayer rather than just a private one. There's incredible things in this prayer. But my challenge for you guys is I hope that maybe just this week, just maybe once a day, you can create just a little rhythm of saying this prayer and that this prayer can remind you that God knows you, and that he loves you. The prayer goes like this. Can you throw it up there for me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Can you keep that up there for a second? I think Jesus is just brilliant. 
right? I think he's a genius, which is, he's Jesus, so of course he is. And he gives us this little poem, and there's so much packed into this. There's so much purpose in this of of reflecting on on who God is to us and who we are in his kingdom, of being citizens of his kingdom in this world. There's so much in the daily bread thing, in a world where we don't have to worry about where we're getting our next meal for most of us. The the, the beauty of the, the public part is when we have an abundance, are we willing to overflow into the lives of other people and help them have their daily bread. And you can go on because it's all just so incredible and powerful. And I hope it can become a rhythm for you just as a little reminder, just as a little reminder that God's with you right now and in the next now and the next now. And he cares about you and he knows you. And as you look into 2021, I want you to know that, that whatever happens, what, like whatever comes, there's, there's one simple truth and it's our big idea and it's really simple because I'm a simple guy. <laughs> You're known and loved. You're known and loved. Whether you believe all this church stuff, Christianity stuff or whatever, I want you to know there's a God, the God out there who knows and love you, loves you. And if you want to participate in this church thing, this church of Keystone, this group of people, I hope this church can also help you feel known and loved. And I hope if you are part of this church, you can help people feel known and loved. Prayer, prayer itself is really kind of simple. And because it's simple, it can feel like a suggestion. It can feel like something that's like, oh, this is something cool we do. But I think it actually has the, the like, ability to transform our present moment, right? Because we think about things where like, I want this truth that's going to transform my whole life. But your whole life is the now. Your whole life starts here. And if we can do this little rhythm each day as we enter into the world and we respond to the presence of God, it's going to be incredible. God's for you, he's with you, and he cares about you. You're known and you're loved. What I'm going to do, like as our prayer, is I'm just going to pray the Lord's Prayer. So if you can throw that on the the screen for me. Um, If you'd like to read it with me, you're super welcome to do that. If you want to just kind of like reflect and close your eyes and like hear it, you're welcome to do that. My one thing, and I always tell my students this, if you read something that's on the screen, you read something, you can't do it in like the monotone church voice. You got to have like a little bit of zeal and zest in it, right? Kind of like when you sing happy birthday, everybody kind of sings it. You got to like just be, add some flavor, right? Add some fun. This is some participation. You can enjoy it. It's going to be a good time. So we're going to pray this and then you're, you're good to go. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, thank you so much for teaching us that prayer. Thank you for knowing and loving us. Thank you for this church and thank you for a new year. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, thank you guys for being here. I hope you have a blessed and incredible week this week.